0: Hey, um, so Martin Luther King Jr. once said, love is the only creative, redemptive, transforming power in the universe. I'll say it again. Love is the only creative, redemptive, transforming power in the universe, and then our, our Our Old Testament brother David said it like this in Psalms 111.9, he says, His forever love paid a full ransom for his people. So that now we're free to come before Jehovah to worship his holy, awesome name. His forever love is a love that redeems, that ransoms or buys back something that was lost. And later our friend Paul Reminded us of this in Galatians 4 4, he says, But when when that era came to an end to an end, and a time of fulfillment had come, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under written law. Yet all this was so that he would redeem and set free all those held hostage to the written law, so that we would receive our freedom and full legal adoption as his children. That's something that we can, we can celebrate, that because of the birth of Jesus and what he did on the cross, right, we, we can now say that we are redeemed, we are his children, but he goes on to say, and so that we, would, that we would know for sure that we are his true children, God released the spirit of sonship or daughtership into our hearts, moving us to cry out immediately, my father, you're our true father. Now we're no longer living like slaves under the law, but we enjoy being God's very own sons and daughters because we're, because we're we're He we're He we're His. We can access everything our Father has. We can access everything our Father asks. Why? For we are heirs of God through Jesus the Messiah. You are an heir of the King. This morning. Because I'm here to tell you this morning, because of Christ entering the world, dying His death on the cross, paying in the sin debt we owed to redeem us or buy us back from the darkness, you can walk in freedom today. Whatever has you bound, whatever has you trapped, you can walk in freedom because you are a child of the King, and the King doesn't allow any of His kids to stay trapped. For many of us, we come we come from a from a background we come from a background of shame or maybe even neglect. We come from a background of shame and regret, and, and we have, we have past that, if exposed, would lead us laying in the floor in the fetal position, right? Like if the person sitting next to you really knew your past, you'd be like, oh man, I'm not coming back here. You'd be in the fetal position crying. But I'm here to tell you the same thing that the writer of Hebrews said, and it's this. There's not one person who can hide their thoughts from God. So even though the person that's next to you may not know, God knows. That's a little scary, right, when you think about it. It's real scary. Like, he knows, like, every time I read, like, uh, or he interacts with the religious leaders in the Old Testament where it says they were thinking or they, were, they thought among themselves and he calls out what they were thinking, I'm like, oh, I'm so glad. <laughs> like, he doesn't, like, put my thoughts up on the screens of done. You with me? But there is not one person who can hide their thoughts from God. For nothing that we do remains a secret. Your sin will find you out. All right? From God, for nothing that we do remains a secret, and nothing created is concealed, but everything is exposed and defenseless before his eyes to whom we must render an account. So then, we must cling in faith to all we know to be true. For we have a magnificent king-priest. Jesus Christ, the Son of God, who rose into the heavenly realm for us and now sympathizes with us in our frailty. He understands humanity. For as a man, our magnificent king-priest was tempted in every way, just as we we are, and and conquered sin. So now we come freely and boldly to where love is enthroned. Woe. Woe. With even as messed up, even with everything laid bare, one translation says laid bare bare, naked before God, even with every thought that we have, everything that would seem to disqualify us from entering the throne room, he says now we can come freely and boldly. It don't matter how dirty you are. You can like, this, is gonna be, this might be a little TMI, and it's okay. But Hayden has had a tendency lately to reach his hand in his diaper in the middle of the night and just play with his stuff that comes out his rear. You know what I'm saying? And when I walk into the room and he reaches up for me, guess what? He's coming to his father boldly and freely knowing my daddy's going to pick me up no matter how dirty I am. And he is the one that's going to clean me up even if daddy about throws up. But that's just like our king. Like, we can come boldly before our King, before our Father, and just say, Daddy, I need you. Because He already knows how messed up you are, and at what you've done, and what you will do. In fact, He knew, he, like, the cross, I say this all the time, the cross, the cross, like, if God's outside of time, meaning Christ knew what you were going to do in the future, right? He knew that you'd be a screw-up. He knew that sin that you committed yesterday before you even thought about it. And he still says, you know what? I'm going to make a way, even if it's laid out bare." So now we come freely and boldly to where love is enthroned because love conquers all, to receive mercy's kiss and discover the grace we urgently need to strengthen us in our time of weakness. He is my crutch. He is my crutch. His mercy is new every morning. His grace is still free and redemption is still available because we can approach the throne room of God boldly and freely. All because of the Father's love for us because our King is a King of redemption. Our King is a King of redemption. Sin and shame, though, have a tendency. Sin and shame have a tendency to give us a hardened heart that makes it hard for us. To receive the love of the Father, right? And it's not, and it's not because God isn't trying to soften our heart, but it's often that we think that we've gone too far. You ever heard somebody say, "Well, I just have to clean myself up before I get back to church," or if I get, "No, no, no, no." First of all, you need to stop them, like interrupt that sentence. Yeah, that don't need to be coming out of their mouth. But the fact is a shame and sin and 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 fear and those things harden our heart from really. Like, we are our own worst enemy when it comes to receiving love because we think that we don't deserve it. And honestly, you need to stop thinking it because it's true. You don't deserve the love of the Father. Like, you, you, your life, you're, you, how you've lived your life, the majority of your life is not pleasing to the Father, but He still chose you. He still chose you. And that's the good news today, that no matter how far that we run, His mercy and His kisses and His hugs are still available for you. It doesn't matter how dirty you get. No matter how, how, like maybe you've walked away. Maybe you walked away and you're just like, you know, I'm going to live my life. Thank you, Jesus, for the salvation, but I'm just going to live my life how I want to. Well, guess what? He's still waiting on the porch for you to turn around and come home. Then the shame, though, I have a tendency to give us a hardened heart, making it almost impossible for us to accept the redemptive love, love of Christ that he wants to give us. I want you to hear me this is that Christ is for your redemption. Christ is for you. I don't care what any other church has said. He is not against you. He is for you. He is totally for you. He is for your freedom. So maybe you're here this morning and you, see, you just need to hear, hear me say this morning that Jesus wants you. Like he wants you. He wants a relationship with you. You see, Let me just start. I'll just start. Ready? Luke 15 starts off by saying, Many dishonest tax collectors and other notorious sinners often gathered around to listen to Jesus as Jesus taught the people. So, tax collectors and notorious sinners, like in that culture, the nasty of the nasty wanted to be with Jesus, and Jesus wanted to be with them, right? This raised concerns with the Jewish religious leaders, and experts of the law. Indignant, they grumbled and complained, saying, look, at, look how this man associates with all these notorious sinners and welcomes them all to come to him. And that's good news for us, that he's welcoming, but the religious people hated it. They hated it. So it goes on to say, in response, Jesus gave them this illustration. And what he begins to do is he begins to lay out some parables or some stories or some pictures of what the kingdom of God is like, what the Father is like, and what God is like, and this is the one that we're going to look at today. Ready? Matthew eleven twelve 12 says this. Well, 11, 11 says this. Then Jesus said, Once there was a father with two sons. The younger son came to his father and said, Father, don't you think it's time to give me the share of your estate that belongs to me? So the father went ahead and distributed money, uh, distributed among the two sons there inheritance. Let me say this for a second. This is the equivalent of the younger son saying to his father, I wish you were dead already. We read stuff like that and we're like, well, I mean, you just asking for his money or we may look at that and go, man, that kid's an idiot. Like, why why would he dare say that to his father? Or why would he say to basically say to his father, I wish you were dead already. But let's be real for a second. Many of us, we're, we are, many, for many of us, we are living if our Heavenly Father is dead to us. We are living as if our Heavenly Father is dead. Nothing in your life is, 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 has an, is an illustration that if you are a follower of Him. If you're a believer, in many ways you have probably now or at one time lived a life as if you're saying, thank you for the gift of salvation, but I'm not, going to, I'm, I'm not going to do my life how you want me to do it. He's your Savior, but he's not your Lord. And my question would be, can he really be your Savior if he's not your Lord? If he doesn't have control over your life and what, and what, you, say, and what, what you say, how you act, how you spend your money, how you do this, can you, can you really say that he is your Savior? But maybe you're in here and you're not a believer, or you're listening to this and you're not a believer. You're just living by the whims of, how your, of your feelings this morning with the very breath that he's giving you to breathe, you're you are mocking him. One way or the other, many of us are living, or at times will live or have lived, as if our Heavenly Father is already dead to us. But notice what the Father did there. He still gave him what he asked for. But he goes on, and this is what happens in the rest of the story. He says, Shortly afterward, the younger son packed up his belongings, and traveled off to see the world. He journeyed to a far-off far land where his son, his son wasted all he was given in, in, in a binge of extravagant and reckless living. With everything spent and nothing left, he grew hungry, for there was a severe famine in the land. So he begged a, a farmer in the country to hire him. The farmer hired him and sent him out to the field with the pigs. The son was so famished, he was willing to even eat the slop given to the pigs, because when we live outside of the way God designed us to work or what he wants for us and, and the plan he has for, for us, we're settling for something smaller. It may seem better at the beginning. It may seem like it fills you with joy. But eventually, you're going to get to a place where you just think, you know what, I, like, like you're, you're living under what God has called you to. The son was so famished, he was willing to even, even eat the slop given to the pigs because no one would feed him a thing. Humiliated, the son finally realized, what he was doing, and he thought, there are many workers in my father's house who have all the food they want with plenty to spare. They lack nothing. Why am I here dying of hunger, feeding these pigs, and eating their flock? It is in our lowest moments we often realize there could be something better. It's often in those rock- bottom moments that we we look back and we say, we wish we, we wish we would have done what God asked us to to begin with. We wish we would have honored our Father in heaven. You don't have to live the same life you're in you don't have to you don't have to bear the weight of your struggles alone you don't you, you can live in peace. you don't have to live in the sloth that you're in currently even even the son knew this, even the son knew this. That if he could just get in the presence of his father, even if it's not in sonship, if I could just get in the presence of my father, I would be better off than what I am now. Listen to what happens. To what happens. He goes: "I want to go back home to my father's house, and I'll say to him, "Father, I was wrong. I have sinned against you. I'll never be worthy to be called your son." And this is what the son's wanting to do here is great. He's wanting to repent. He's wanting to, he's wanting to, he's wanting to say, Father, you're right all along. I should have listened to you. Like this is what the son's wanting to do here. It's good. Father, just treat me like one of your employees. And that's the phrase that I that I that I struggle with. He's asking his father, can I just come be your slave? If I could just stay in the slave quarters, if I could just have what the slaves have. Son was like, If I could just get in the presence of my father, I'll be okay, even if I'm not his son anymore. But, but little did he know, and little do we know often, that God has so much more for us, even when we've run away. The Paul tells us in Ephesians, he says, This he says, Never doubt God's mighty power to work in you and accomplish all this, he will achieve infinitely more than your greatest request, your most unbelievable dream. And, and exceed your wildest imagination. What he has for you is so much more than what you could ever think, dream, or imagine. Luke fifteen twenty says this. So the young son set off for home. From a long distance away, his father saw him coming, dressed as a beggar, and great compassion swelled up in his heart for his son, who was returning home. the father raced out to meet him his father raced out to meet him the father raced out here's the thing when you turn back to god the father sees you coming the father sees you coming and the father is running to meet you and i don't know if you know much about this culture but back in in those days older men didn't run so jesus telling the story it would be like God is breaking all expectations and says I'm running to you no matter how far you've gotten. I'm running to you what the father is going to do when he but the question is what is the father going to do when he meets up with his son what's the father going to do as he meets up with his son Luke 15:20 starts this as we start the pad for the background so the young son set off for home from a long distance away his father saw him coming dressed as a beggar and great compassion swelled up in his heart for his son who was returning home so the father raced out to meet him he swept him up in his arms hugged him dearly and kissed him over and over with tender love i don't know about you but if if Zane took what I gave to him and squandered it and lived, however, like when he came home, there'd be some. There wouldn't be an embrace, there wouldn't be a kiss, because that's the human flesh for me. But this is a picture of the Father that when we come back to Him, when we come back to Him, we 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 see that we see that He picks us up, He restores us, He 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 He, he loves us, He gets like He's so welcoming back home. But is the, is there something that we have to follow when we come back? To gain our sonship back, is there something that we have to do? Is there something that we have to do? Is there an act that we have to perform to show that we respect our father? Well, the story tells us what the father tells him. We you know what the father tells him. He says this. Let me just say this. Let me put this down here. When when his child returns home, he pours out his love. He pours out his love. And he goes on to say this. Then the son. Then the son said. Father, I was wrong. So, doing what he said he was going to do. Father, I was wrong. I have sinned against you. I can never deserve to be called your son. Just let me be. And the father interrupted and said, Son, you're home now. Son, you're home now. I don't care what you've done in your past, what you think you're coming in here and doing. What you what you plan on? You're not you're not you're not you're, you're nothing you're nothing less than a son to me. Welcome home. When his child returns home, he pours out his love, and it goes on to say this. Turning to his servant, the father said, "Quick, bring me the best robe." The very, my very own robe, and I will place it on his shoulders. Signified you don't have to carry the weight of shame anymore. You don't have to carry the weight of shame. In fact, th- this, is, this, will be, this will be the block. This, you are wrapped in my care. Turning to his servants, the father said, quick, bring me the best robe. My very robe, and I will place it on his shoulders. Bring the ring, the the ring, the seal of sonship, giving him all authority over his dominion. And bring out the best shoes you can find for my son so that we can trample over Satan and sin that entangles us. When we come back, he doesn't treat us like a servant. He treats us like a son. And he dresses us. He places a ring on our finger and shoes on our feet. As he knows the enemy's attack is going to try to come and he's going to try to say listen you don't deserve to be the son. you do deserve to be a slave look you're still wearing those same old clothes no no he's going to make you new he's going to make you new and this is what he says let's prepare a great feast and celebrate for, the, for this beloved son of mine once dead but now he's alive again. Once he was lost, but now he is found. And everyone celebrated with overflowing joy. The Father redeems our inheritance. What he wanted you to have from the beginning, our king of redemption, redeems your inheritance. Our king is a king of redemption. Everything you feel you lost, he restores. The shame that you carry Carried, will be redeemed and will shine for the glory of the king you can just look at everyone look at what my daddy did for me look at what my daddy did for me the very thing Satan used to tear you down will become the platform for miracles that's my king the very shame will become a platform for his kingdom to advance And for those of us who are followers of Christ, we are called to celebrate instead of question. Celebrate instead of question. Luke 15, 25 says this. Now the older son was out working in the field when his brothers returned, and he approached the house. He heard the music of celebration and dancing. So he called over one of the servants and asked, What's going on? The servants replied, it's your younger brother who's returned home and your father is throwing a party to celebrate his homecoming. The older son became angry and refused to go in and celebrate. So his father came out and pleaded with him, come and enjoy the feast with us. The son said, father, listen, how many years have I been working like a slave for you, performing every duty you've asked as a faithful son and I've never once disobeyed you. But you've never thrown a party for me because my, because of my faithfulness never once have you ever given me a goat that i could feast on and celebrate with my friends like he's, like he's doing now but look at this son of yours he comes back after wasting your wealth on prostitutes and reckless living and here you are throwing your, a great feast to celebrate for him yes that's what he does that's what our father does in the midst of when we don't think that we deserve it, when we really don't deserve it, and everybody else in the room says they don't deserve that, he says, you're right, I am throwing a feast because my son has come home. The father said, my son, you are always with me by my side. Everything I have is yours to enjoy. It's only right to celebrate like this, to be overjoyed because the brother of yours was once dead and gone, but now he's alive and back with us. He was lost, but now is found. We celebrate redemption. We celebrate redemption. Shift church will always be a place that celebrates someone taking their next steps, no matter how small they are. Well, Derek, I just don't, I, how do you know if their lives have changed? I don't know if their lives have fully changed. All I know is they took a step in the right direction. So we're going to dance, we're going to party, we're going to do whatever it takes to get them to take their second step. See, here's the deal, y'all. For some of us, it's time to come home. Maybe you're in here and you've been been a a Christian a while. You you were saved back when you were younger and you're just like, you know what? But I haven't lived my life the way I should. Well, this Christmas, the king who was born on Christmas Day died a horrific death, rose from the grave, is calling you to come back home. And I'm going to tell you, we're going to celebrate. And listen, Maybe you're here and you're not a believer, and you're like Derek. I, I just feel like I've wondered I've wandered my whole life. I've chased after my own feelings. I've chased after the world, the things that's It's just not working out for me. I, can I come home too? Yes, the Father is calling. you the opportunity to respond however you would like but just know home is available you don't have to wonder anymore just know that uh, the father is waiting on the porch and is waiting to jump off and run and meet you and if you're nervous about it there's people in this room that will pray with you there's people in this room that will dance with you there's people in this room that will lay hands on you and pray for whatever you need here today all all your responsibility is is to turn around and come home the altar's open and maybe you're in here and you're like you know what Nick I just want to celebrate that he is my Lord he is my Father you can do that too Got plenty of space. You can dance around. You can fall prostrate on the ground. Whatever you want to do. And just know, the Father says, "Come home." God, we want to thank you that you're a Father that even though that we uh, that we don't deserve it, you're you're a Father that waits on the porch for us to come home not to judge us not to lay out some new rules not to give us a curfew but to hug us and to kiss us to give us the finest giving us a robe to protect our shoulders from the weight of shame giving us a ring giving us authority over your dominion because this is your dominion the enemy may be loose a little bit right now, but you are in control. And now, as your sons and daughters, we have control. Because, Satan, you got to go. In fact, I'm going to step all over you because my, my father, my king, has given me a new pair of shoes.